Thanks. How are you guys? Good? It's been a good day. It's been an awesome day. Like, let's get real. It's been amazing. Um, yeah, I am apparently incapable of dealing with this. I know. There's just two of us up here. You know, I mean, you just gotta... Is that good? It's a good height? That's great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. Now we've got that figured out. Um, so, my name is Nish. Um, I am married to a guy named Eric, who is the most kind and compassionate and intelligent and wonderful and sexy man that you have ever met. Ever. And we have had two babies together, Rowan Matthew, who is five, and Scout Margot, who is two. Um, so we're in the junior terrorist stage of life. Um, I, I love my kids. I do. I really love my kids. But you guys, I'm so tired. <laughs> and all of you who have raised teenagers are looking at me going like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> so sweet for you. Um, and so my kids are five and two, so it's, I'm, I'm still pretty close to the experience that I had of being pregnant and giving birth and then, you know, raising babies. It wasn't that long ago that it happened. And um, being pregnant and giving birth, it's, it's, it's this joyful time of anticipation and expectation. So much expectation that they've written this book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. We call it the Pregnancy Bible. And it has everything in it that you could ever want to know about being pregnant or giving birth, except a lot of things. <laughs> it tells you when you're nine months pregnant that your hips are gonna hurt, and that your back is gonna hurt, and that you're not gonna sleep well, and that you're gonna be a little emotional. What they don't tell you is that you're going to sit on your couch in front of your husband, sobbing your eyes out with a carton of ice cream going, take it out, I'm going to be pregnant forever. <laughs> they don't tell you that. And then there's birth. There's birth, right? There's delivery. There's labor. It's the most incredible experience it is the most incredible experience. And there's, there's, there's labor, and in this book, they, they tell you about what labor pains are gonna be like. And um, there's what they say, and then there's what actually happens, and I just have to look at them and go, that's so precious. <laughs> because the gap between the two is so far. Um, it is the most painful thing that you experience ever. Um, and then so you, you, you labor, and then you push out this thing, and then there's a human. There's this baby. There's a baby. And you look at it, and you, it's, it doesn't really look like you. If, if your kids look like mine, they kind of look like Winston Churchill when they come out. <laughs> they're puffy, and their cheeks are a little wrinkled. And then like the, the nurses, they help you take care of them and they help you learn how to nurse and um, change diapers. And then you're there for a couple of days and they help you click them into his little car seat and then they're like, okay, you're on your own. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, like I actually have to like take care of it on my own now, but can I just stay just a couple more days? And then you get home 
And you welcome this little baby into your life and into your, your, your family. And it's incredible. It's this moment that you were waiting for, this, this moment of joy. And you, you leaf through this like giant packet of stuff that they give you from the hospital when you go home. It's like got all the birth certificate information in it. And you're like leafing through it and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to like the postpartum depression thing and you're like, yeah, those thoughts I was having, they're not real, that's not me, until it is. And that was me. I had been having pretty dark thoughts for the first three weeks of my son's life and I would just kind of sweep it under the rug I'd just say, nah, it's not depression. I mean, it's just baby blues, right? But then there comes a time, there came a time for me when my husband, he um, traveled a lot for his work at this point, and my son was three weeks old. And um, so I was alone with my son for the first time for a couple of days, and I mean, I had just given birth, so I mean, I can do this, right? I am a warrior woman. I can do this. And my son had been a little bit fussy that day. I just couldn't figure out how to calm him, right? I was brand new at this. Couldn't figure it out, but I finally managed to get him in bed and sleeping. Um, and I laid in bed in the dark. And that's when the big thoughts came. I didn't know that I had been backing up to the edge of a cliff for the last three weeks until all of a sudden I was careening off the end into a pit of darkness that crushed me. Thoughts like, you are a horrible mother. Your son is better off. Your husband is better off without you. You are worthless. And the thing about depression is that it corners you when you're most vulnerable. And I was vulnerable. I was alone. And my baby was sleeping. And so it got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. It was too much. It was crushing me. It was suffocating me. And in, in my pregnancy, I had a couple complications. I actually had major abdominal surgery in, at about 20 weeks pregnant. It, it was a cancer scare. It wasn't cancer. It was fine. Um, but I had been prescribed a lot of pain medication, narcotics which you wouldn't think is safe to say when you're pregnant, but it actually, or wouldn't, isn't safe to take when you're pregnant, but it actually is. And so I had a nice stockpile in my medicine cabinet. And so it was late, and it was dark, and I was done. And so I reached into that medicine cabinet, and I pulled out those two bottles, and I emptied them into my hand. And I'd been crying, and I'd been wiping tears and snot, from my face, and I was anxious, and so my palms were sweaty, and I emptied them into my hand, and they stuck there. They stuck to the palm of my hand, and I looked at them for a while. I closed my hand, and I sat down on the cold tile floor of my bathroom, 
and curled my knees up to my chest and just clutched them and I said, I'm done, I can't take it anymore, I can't take it anymore. I'm worthless, they're better off without me. And my heart rate was elevated, I was, my, my heart was racing, it was racing. Because I knew it. I'm like, this is it. This is it. Take me. I'm done. And in that moment, my heart rate calmed down. And all of a sudden, I got a sense of peace that washed over me. And all of a sudden, I realized I'm not alone in this room. And it was in that moment that I realized that I'm not alone. And I heard a voice. And I know that sounds weird. And I don't mean a voice booming from the sky, and I don't mean a voice whispering in my ear. I mean that still, small voice that, that speaks to you in those moments when the world and your mind is lying to you, and it's the one that pushes up against it and says, that's not true. And it was that voice that said, I am here. I see you. I have come for you. And you are not alone. And it was like this, the, the blackout curtains of my eyes had been peeled back just a little bit, just enough, just for a moment to see, to look, and I looked at the pills in my hand, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And I brushed them off my hand, and they scattered all over the floor, and the darkness came back. It's not like it was gone forever, but it was all I needed, was just to be reminded that I'm not alone, and that I have been rescued, and that I am seen, and that I have value. And so as I was thinking about what to talk to you guys tonight about, and um, if you know me at all, you'll know that like the, the, the piece of Jesus that, that I love just so much is the one that's kind of subversive, you know, the insurrectionist that flips over the tables and sticks it to the man and all that. I mean, that like fires me up. I love it. But I knew that I wanted to share this piece of my life with you, and the only thing that I could think of was the parable of the lost sheep. And I'm going to read to you what Eugene Peterson says about the parable, or the, this particular parable and, what, and how he has written it. It says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing, and when you got home, call in all your friends and neighbors and say, Celebrate with me, I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in need of no rescue. And so the question I ask for you is, is it possible that the same Jesus who rescues us for eternity is the same Jesus that can rescue a broken woman on a bathroom floor. And that's part of the good news, is that 
It's a resurrected Jesus. It is a Jesus that is alive and is working in the world now. And so I contend with you today that the resurrected Jesus that lives is the one that rescues us into eternal life and saves us in everyday life. And if you're a person either here in this room or watching somewhere around the world, I don't know, there's, I guess, a lot of people from around the world, right? And if the darkness is crushing you, if it's too much to bear, I need you to hear me now. If you've tuned out until this point, tune in. You are not alone. You are seen. And you are loved. And you are valued. You're valued so much that God, who is alive today, asks us to partner with him in the bringing of the kingdom of God on earth. How much more value is there? And if you're a person here who, thanks be to God, has never dealt with that crushing darkness, you have an opportunity and you have been given an invitation to be Jesus, to be the person that sits on a bathroom floor, that speaks to another person and says, I see. You are loved. You are not alone. And I am here. I have come for you. I have left it all and I am here for you. And so my prayer for you today is just that we would have eyes to see. That the darkness would be peeled back and the veil in front of our eyes would be peeled back so that we may go see the lost sheep that we may see the lost sheep in our lives, both the ones who need to be rescued into eternity and rescued just today. May we be those people. May we be the hands and feet of Jesus, the one who we worship and love so much and call him so dear. May we be that today and tomorrow and the next day, and the next day. Thank you.